0: Hey, hey, wellness and wonderless listeners, thank you so much for joining me for another fabulous week on the podcast. It's officially September, my birthday month, and we are in the thick of Virgo season. So special shout out to all of my Virgos there, sending you lots of love. And before we dive in, I would like to share a little bit about today's partner, Rent the Runway. As many of you know by now, I am a huge Rent the Runway fan and actually started my membership shortly before the pandemic. I have been able to rent everything from designer cocktail dresses for the days I do feel safe to go to an event, to fun office looks, to the occasional Zoom top. And friends, you know exactly what I'm talking about there, having that fun Zoom top to go with those yoga pants to stay nice and comfortable during all of those long calls throughout the day i love being able to rent designer pieces at a fraction of the cost and being able to try out new looks every month so if you're interested you can get 40 percent off the 8 piece and 16 piece plans with my code which i've included in the show notes it's a little bit of a mouthful so i have written it down right in there you can copy and paste it and that will be the easiest way to access I highly recommend checking out Rent the Runway, and if you do, let me know what you end up renting. I would love some wardrobe inspiration. I am so excited to introduce you to this week's guest on the show. We are chatting with Devin Loftus, the founder of Moon Cycle Bakery, and Jenna Radomsky, holistic nutritionist and founder of Jenna B. Basics. Moon Cycle Bakery offers hormone-supportive treats to help women replenish certain micronutrients throughout their cycle. And trust me, if you haven't ordered from them yet, you are truly missing out. I just had the chance to try a few of their treats. I love the chocolate pretzel cups. So, so good. And whether you have a cycle or not, You will absolutely love what they have to offer, so definitely check them out. Devin and Jenna have teamed up to create the Moon Cycle Cookbook, which empowers women to nourish themselves with recipes and rituals organized around each of the four phases of the menstrual cycle, and we are going to talk about what each of those four phases are. In this episode, we discuss what our bodies need most at different times of the month and how we can destigmatize those conversations. Devin and Jenna share easy-to-implement self-care rituals, the importance of celebrating our bodies, what to do about period cravings, and why it's okay sometimes to have a good cry. This was such a fun conversation. I truly felt that I was among friends, and I cannot wait to dive in. So that's enough from me. Without further ado, let's hear from Devin and Jenna. Hi, thank you so much for joining us at Wellness and Wanderlust today. Hi, Valerie. We're so excited to be here. Hi, Valerie. So,
1: so excited.
0: Well, it is so great to have you both on the show. Now, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about each of you and your wellness journeys?
1: Sure. So my name is Devin Loftus. I'm the founder of Moon Cycle Bakery and the co-author of the Moon Cycle Cookbook. And the way that, gosh, I feel like with every journey, it's just kind of very nonlinear. But my wellness journey started after I had ruptured ovarian cysts and a kidney stone. And I realized that my body just wasn't happy. There were imbalances. There were things I really needed to pay attention to. And from there, I started working with a holistic nutritionist and toxicologist. And she really opened my eyes to holistic health and really this way of living that reminded me that I am in tune with my body. I can I can work with it. It wants to work with me. And I I was empowered by the choices that I could make for myself.
2: I love that. And I am Jenna Radomsky. I am a holistic nutritionist, recipe creator, and also the co-author of The Moon Cycle Cookbook. And my wellness journey, like Devin, started with something unfortunate for me. Um, I started my period when I was nine years old, which – came with a whole host of emotional and mental stresses, as well as physical. I had really severe cramps that would keep me home from school. I had acne. And that's really when my anxiety began. And this led me on a long, you know, decade search for answers, where I would see various doctors with different approaches. And ultimately, they put me on hormonal birth control for about five years. And it wasn't until I was in grad school for nutrition where I began to find relief. And this was through learning about intuitive eating, holistic self-care practices, as well as fertility awareness method, which allowed me to get off of the birth control and resume my natural cycle, which was amazing. And years later, you know, after implementing those things, my periods are rather pain-free, and I am able to embrace my body, and I've worked through the shame and the stigma around my period. And all of this really inspired me to help others on their journey of embracing their bodies, learning about their cycle, and living in tune with it.
0: I think both of your stories are so incredible. And I think so often it is true that we kind of pursue wellness when we are going through something that's difficult. I went through puberty at a young age as well. And I remember the struggles that go with that. And I'd love to know for both of you, you mentioned Moon Cycle Bakery. Tell me a little bit about what that is and the inspiration behind that. Sure. So
1: Moon Cycle Bakery, we are a hormone supportive baked goods service is where we started. But now we have uh, actually have a savory item and our cookbook. But we look at the menstrual cycle. And throughout the phases, we look at different micronutrients that deplete. Using clinical research and studies, we work with whole ingredients. So things like cacao, sweet potatoes, really things that you are used to eating or most times have in your home. And we look at how these certain foods help to replenish those micronutrients. We also have a big emphasis on not only celebrating your body, but really working towards accepting it, embracing it, and again, the empowerment that comes from learning about your body and your individualized choices. It was inspired actually by a a, a bachelorette party that I had on the West Coast when I lived in California. And a friend of mine, my husband met us at at the bar and he brought with him this really delicious cake. And a friend of mine told us at the end of the night that it was the best thing she had ever eaten. And she uh, almost cried. It was so good. And she said, I I don't know (laughs) if it's because I'm getting my period or not, but I almost (laughs) cried. And I I loved that because I felt so relatable, so real. And later that night, I told her, don't worry, we'll bring you a slice every month. And when I woke up the next morning, I realized that, again, not only were women looking for a celebratory and holistic way of nourishing themselves, but they were really looking for a way to destigmatize and enjoy, in some facet, their cycle. They really wanted to feel acknowledged. They really wanted to feel seen in an area of life that often isn't. And that's how Moon Cycle Bakery began.
0: I absolutely love that. And I think that's so important. And something we don't often think about is that there is an entire week of the month, pretty much that, you know, I I always joke that I'm pretty much useless during that time. And that's not really the (laughs) Mm -hmm. case. But you you don't feel your best. You're often lower energy, maybe in some pain. And I think also going through that puberty at a young age, you really experience that stigma from people that just don't understand what it is. And then growing up with that, I'd love to know a little bit more about that empowerment and how we can embrace that during a time that I think so many of us have a lot of shame. So I see empowerment stemming from
1: acceptance. I think that really feeling in our sovereignty you know like like we can we have the power to self govern we are connected with what our wants and needs are our intuition feeling strong in what works best for us which oftentimes includes quieting noise around us having the resources or the accessibility to the education i really think it's this needing this solid foundation that leads to acceptance and then that leads to choices again being having the education having the support to make choices that are best for us which then leads us to feeling empowered because we we realize that we can trust ourselves we again we can work with ourselves and our body that's really what it wants
2: i 100% agree and for me the education is such a huge piece and one reason why i love moon cycle bakery so much and i was so drawn to it because growing up in school when i was in sex ed and as many others like we breezed over the menstrual cycle we did not mm-hmm. go in depth about it and so it was even then when it was a room full of girls it it felt shameful and it felt like this thing we weren't supposed to talk about and once i realized once i learned the in depth about it in school and then started to talk about it with my friends i was able to shake that and say oh this is actually an amazing part of me that i can Harness and use to work towards my advantage rather than seeing it as a burden, which, you know, it can be at times. I don't want to paint it in that like romanticized light because there are some uncomfortable things associated with it, but it can be both and at the same time.
1: I love that too. And I think, Jenna, to your point of it, the duality of it, like uh, I just read somewhere recently that uh, it was a quote having a good relationship with your period is a form of resistance. And I really. Find that to be incredibly empowering because basically what it says to me is again, a relationship is never all good or bad, right? Every relationship we have, mm-hmm. whether it's with ourselves, parts of ourselves, or other people, there are easy parts, there are hard parts, and there's everything in between. But in this in having a good relationship with your period, being a form of resistance, it's resisting the societal standard that's basically put on us everywhere from what you just said, from sitting in a classroom in sex ed all the way to, you know, scented tampons. There's this whole industry that says that having a period is, like you said, shameful or it just gets put in a box. So I love that quote of having a good relationship with your period is a form of resistance because you're right, it's not painting it in this romantic, easy thing. It's just saying learning to work with yourself and and accept and embrace whatever that looks like is a way of basically sticking it to the man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I agree. <laughs> I love that. And I I definitely have those memories in sex ed of the teachers never really they, they kind of glossed over that. And what they did say was not necessarily accurate to my experience as someone who did have cramps where I would sometimes have to miss class even. And, you know, you were in a lot of discomfort and they really just kind of glossed over it. It was something that you had to be really sneaky about oftentimes. And, you know, definitely that source of shame that doesn't have to be, I mean, even the commercials now where they're finally not using that blue liquid anymore, but it took Mm -hmm. (laughs) however many years for that to happen. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's incredible to see that. And it really shows that we're heading in that right direction and that it is no longer a taboo topic,
0: at least not to the same degree that it was. Absolutely. And it allows us to carry life and to do, you know, we can do so many amazing things as women and we do carry a lot of shame with us. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'd love to know a little bit more about how the two of you teamed up toward this common mission and and what all you do together.
2: Yeah. So it all started with an internship, actually. When I was in grad school, I had a required internship for a semester and I really realized my passion for women's health while I was in school. And so as I was searching for different companies to intern with, I stumbled upon Moon Cycle on Instagram and immediately fell in love with the mission, with the branding, with just the overall vibe. And I felt already reading the bio that I was Devin's friend. And so Mm -hmm. I reached out to her and said, Hey, you know, I'm really interested in working with you. Do you need an intern? And I am so grateful that she was looking or, you know, she was open to having one and we started right away. And I really at that time did a wide variety of things from nutrition research to blog posts, to customer service and recipe creation. And it was really great for me to kind of dip my toe in all of these areas of entrepreneurship as we built our personal and professional relationship, and since then, it has just continued to blossom.
1: Yes. I I mean, now Jenna's one of my closest friends. That's so nice. I didn't know that the bio made you feel like you were already friends. That makes me so happy.
2: Oh, yeah. (laughs) You're so great at just showing up fully online, and you know I think a lot of people could relate to that. They feel like they're your friend, even though they've never met you.
1: Thank you. I love you.
2: (laughs) I love you too. Yeah. And so now we do, I am the in-house nutritionist for Moon Cycle Bakery. So I will help answer questions that come in through customers related to our treats and nutrition. And then I develop the recipes for the cookbook and we do some content creation together. So yeah, we're kind of just like ebbing and flowing and creating together and we also created a course that is launching at the end of August um, which was so fun uh, first for me to work on a course so I just love you know being able to experiment in all these different facets with moon cycle
1: yeah honestly moon cycle would not exist without Jenna I when I first started moon cycle I knew that because I don't have a nutritional background and I wanted to do it with the most utmost of integrity that I needed someone with nutritional background and she's amazing I really she's not only created recipes for the cookbook but she's created recipes for our treats it's just been such a wonder to, to work with her and I'm so grateful because it does feel like it happened with such ease like I really don't feel like I can even remember what it was like before having her
0: mm. oh that's so sweet thank you <laughs> That's amazing and just so lovely to see how such a strong friendship has blossomed from this as well. I'd love to know too, you talked a little bit about the nutrition involved in these recipes. And I think so many of us, we, we know that we have certain vitamins depleted at certain times of the month, but we don't really understand it for ourselves. Can you walk us through that a little bit and kind of what nutrients we need to replenish, especially, especially during our cycle?
2: Yeah, of course. I'd love to. So there is a lot that goes into it because, you know, there's so many different nutrients that play within our body. Um, So I will keep it rather brief and just touch on one or two nutrients per phase. So in the menstrual cycle, we have four phases. We have the menstrual, follicular, ovulation, and luteal. And our menstrual phase is day one of our period. That's when we begin to bleed. And during this phase, I emphasize including iron rich foods into our diets and this is because we lose iron during our period and this can result in many symptoms including fatigue so a few iron rich foods that are my go to's are grass fed beef lentils pumpkin seeds quinoa and tofu and i also recommend that people cook in cast iron skillets if they are if they have access to one because they are made of iron and there actually is some transfer of that iron when you cook in them. So that's an easy way to just get a little boost. Next, we move into the follicular phase, which is after we're done bleeding, and this is when the egg begins to develop. And I like to focus on incorporating fermented foods to help our body detox our excess estrogen that is building up. And support the gut so a few fermented foods that i often keep on hand are kimchi yogurt miso and kombucha and then we move into ovulation and this is um, known as our fertile window this is when our energy is at its highest this is when we feel our sexiest and our egg is actually released so during this phase it's important to focus on cruciferous vegetables which are also known as brassicas. And that includes foods like kale, arugula, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower. And these are not only delicious, but they support our liver's detoxification pathways. So that further supports the detoxification of toxins and excess hormones. And they release this incredible compound called indole-3-carbinol, which increases our estrogen breakdown, further reducing that. Because if we have a buildup of estrogen and we aren't properly detoxifying it, that can result in pesky symptoms. Next, we move into the luteal phase, the final phase of the cycle. And this is when we have like an increase of progesterone followed by a decrease. This is our longest phase of the cycle. And during this phase, my biggest tip is to focus on eating enough food. It's very common to experience an increase in appetite uh, because our body is prepping to have this big event of our period. And this is when PMS classically shows up is in that last week of the luteal phase. So I recommend complex carbs are a huge one for the luteal phase. Likely we will be experiencing cravings of, com- or of carbs, not necessarily complex carbs. But this is when people will reach for more sugary foods. This is when we might reach for potato chips. And instead, I recommend that we reach for complex carbs, which are our cruciferous vegetables that we just talked about, whole grains, sweet potatoes, things like that. And they are wonderful because they they don't cause a spike in our blood sugar. Instead, they are more slowly absorbed and they contain B vitamins, which we need for this phase because B vitamins are used in the production of progesterone. And I would say my number one tip is if you are a chocolate lover, especially around your period, I say go for it. I personally have a huge sweet tooth and As I'm getting closer to my period, I really crave that chocolate, and I am a huge believer in intuitive eating, and so I'm not going to deprive myself from that. Instead, I reach for dark chocolate. I like to go for at least 70% cacao, and chocolate is our friend in this way because it contains magnesium, which is a crucial mineral in so many processes in our body, and we lose it during our period, and it can help reduce bloating cramping, and fluid retention. So that's kind of a brief overview of the cycle as a whole and what nutrients we can eat to support our cycle.
0: I love that you brought up chocolate because I would say that's my number one craving as well during that time. And so to know uh, from a holistic nutritionist that it is okay, you know, I'm very happy to hear that. You mentioned cravings. What can we do? You know, I know that I definitely am ravenous in that luteal phase. Any tips just for kind of overcoming some of the the cravings where it's just those things that you know that once you eat it it's not even going to be that great in the moment but mm. you feel like you almost have to have it.
2: Yeah, I my biggest tip is really to work on trying to take away the the enticement of the food. So for me, for example, my Biggest trigger food, I would say, is hot Cheetos. I absolutely love them. And (laughs) I went through a period of time where I felt like I could not have them in the house because when I did, I would eat them incessantly and I felt like I couldn't stop. And then I would kind of go through a shame spiral and it just was no good. So as I dove into intuitive eating and learned to work on the relationship with my food and realized that, oh, the food is not the enemy necessarily it's it's my it's this like the forbidden fruit approach to it so what i did i did an experiment where i kept them in the house and if i wanted them i would grab a few and put the bag away and i would sit down and really enjoy them and more often than not i would have a small handful and because i fully gave myself permission i didn't feel guilty i didn't reach for more because i felt fully satisfied And I think one common approach that people take is, let's say they love potato chips, they will get the low fat version or the low sodium version, which they don't taste as good. Let's just be honest. And so then your body is wanting more and more to satisfy that craving than if you just had the small amount to begin with. So it's not a quick fix. But that's my biggest tip is to really try to take away that like cat and mouse game with the foods that you find yourself craving.
0: I think that makes a lot of sense, and that's just something that I think so many of the people listening to this have dealt with at least at one point or another. And I think we, I think we honestly put so much of our attention on what we should and should not be eating. And I think rather than treating it as the enemy, as you said, really enjoying what we're really going to enjoy. And I, I think also just of avo- you know not buying the not so good version of it that we're not even going to really like. Um, but but I think I think kind of changing our mind that around it is so huge. Definitely.
2: And to also answer your question, like if you fill up your day with really nourishing foods that, you know, they they don't leave you feeling hungry and you enjoy them, then those cravings will become less frequent because your body is nourished. So for me, it's about changing the relationship with food and also kind of crowding out the quote unquote bad stuff. Because if you're eating a whole lot of whole unprocessed foods, then your body is going to feel nourished. You're going to hit the nutrients that you need and you're going to feel satisfied and the cravings will diminish.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And I I know for me, I I think my cravings are the worst on those days at work when you kind of grabbed a quick lunch and ate it at your desk. And it was something, you know, maybe not fast food, but not maybe the most nutritious or or when I've, you know, had to skip a meal in between things and not really actually eating foods that really nourish me. And so I, I think that is such a good point and something we don't think about quite enough. And now you talked about the different phases throughout our month, anything that we need to be focusing on, you know, we have a lot of women who are maybe pregnant or would like to be pregnant, or maybe have recently had children, any nutrition advice for them for anything that they might have depleted or or need in their own diet?
1: Mm.
2: For someone who is trying to get pregnant, uh, B vitamins, especially folate, is a huge one. And often that's when doctors will recommend a prenatal vitamin because they contain sufficient amounts of folate. And that will help developing fetus grow properly. And it prevents neural tube defects. So that's huge for people trying to get pregnant. Someone who is pregnant, I recommend that they really focus on, again, eating enough. I think I have I don't have children myself but I from what I know from friends and what I can imagine is that it's a huge change to go from eating your normal amount to then carrying a child and having increased appetite and If you are someone who is struggling with going from fad diet to fad diet or counting calories or maybe some disordered eating, then that could be very triggering to have to eat more to sustain yourself. So that is my biggest tip for people who are currently pregnant. And for postpartum, definitely working on replenishing iron. So those same iron-rich foods that I mentioned before will be huge because there is a ton of iron loss that happens during birth and labor, and that will help bring back energy levels and will help with breastfeeding.
0: That's that's great to know. I think we have so many, you know, the majority of our listeners are between their 20s and 40s um, female. So I know that this will be especially beneficial for all of them, but just kind of understanding better, you know, what we should be eating throughout the month and how we can better nourish ourselves. And then if we are in those phases of life to really know how we can treat our bodies a little bit better, because I, it was only recently that I had someone in the holistic space explain to me that as a woman, I needed to change up my exercise at different points in the month as well. Mm
2: -hmm. Yep, exactly. Our energy ebbs and flows with our cycle at the beginning of the Interview, you said that you, you know, kind of feel useless during your period, that your energy levels really dip. And our society doesn't welcome that in the workplace. You know, we are, our society is built around the 24 hour male hormone cycle where it's, mm-hmm. you know, we are expected to wake up and be just as energized as we were the day before. But for women, it doesn't work that way. We have these ebbs and flows, and it's okay to skip workouts during your period and then to really ramp them up during ovulation when your energy is at its highest. So I love that you bring that up because, yeah, it our menstrual cycle affects all aspects of our life.
0: I mean, it's so true. And when I realized that I didn't necessarily have to feel bad about skipping a workout, but instead I could either go for maybe a walk and maybe do some gentle yoga or something like that, rather than doing something so high intensity where I was going to be completely passed out by the end of it, completely miserable throughout the whole thing, because my body wasn't really meant to be doing it right then. Exactly.
2: Yep. It's all about embracing it and and learning how to work with it. And I think it can be fun to, after you collect that data of how do I feel during this time of the month and, and what exercises feel good, then you can plan them out around it and it can be this fun, ever-changing thing. So you don't get stuck in a rut because your cycle sort of forces you to change it up every week.
0: Absolutely. And now I would love to ask you both as well, so you have a cookbook coming out, and one of the things that your cookbook will feature are some self-care practices and rituals that women can do throughout the month as well. I'd love to know a little bit more about that, and you know what can we be incorporating into our lives at those different points?
1: Yeah, so for the rituals throughout the cookbook, we really wanted to make them accessible, realistic, and with a sense of ease, because as we've been talking This isn't always a cycle, you know, our cycles are not always a time that can feel easy or to your point, we feel exhausted. So we didn't want the rituals to feel like something else that you had to do. We really wanted them to feel nourishing and something that could become a practice if it was something that felt like it supported you. So when it came to the rituals as well, we looked at the science behind it. And there's this really awesome page in the beginning of each chapter, so to speak where it's a, it's a snapshot of that phase. So it goes through the basics, which Jenna went over about what's happening in your body. It goes in a little bit to how your lifestyle is affected and then things to pay attention to. And this is where we, we look at, at some of the science. So for example, in the menstrual phase, the two hemispheres of your brain are the most communicative with one another. So it's a really great time to evaluate what's happening around you to really listen to your intuition about what's no longer serving you and to try and set new intentions moving forward. It lends itself to a nice time to try a meditation practice, for example, or have a heart to heart with someone, indulge in mindful movements. So maybe something like Tai Chi or like you just said, Valerie, a walk. Um, so that's kind of the foundation for our rituals in each phase. and. For example, some of them that I really love for the follicular phase and my husband and I actually just did this and it was so much fun. We made a sticky note wall of our dreams. So we each sat separately and wrote down dreams that we have. And then we put them all on the wall and we got to share them with the other person first, which I found to be really necessary and, and something that I we personally don't do often. You know, maybe in passing, sure, but in this really focused space. It was just—it felt really magical. So he shared his, I shared mine, and then we got to kind of combine some of the ones that were similar or ones that we could support each other on. So, for example, we both had um, have another baby, so we kind of paired those together. And then there was one that we both wanted to buy a house. We both—I wanted to have land with chickens. He wanted to have land to build a greenhouse. So it was really fun and. The reason that this is really nice in the follicular phase is because this is the phase where you're planting seeds, both both physically and emotionally. Right? It's in traditional Chinese medicine, it's the spring, so you're kind of coming out of the slumber. You're starting to think about the summer ahead. You're starting to think about things that entice you, excite you, but you're not quite there yet. You're just you're just stretching. So it's a really nice time to plant those seeds uh, before you move over in, or move forward into the ovulation. For the ovulation phase, one of my favorites is actually to give back. I like this because I think, again, rituals that nourish us can also nourish other people and vice versa. And I think this is a good example of one. So, because we're feeling expansive and alive and connected and pretty full for the most part in our ovulation phase, again, this isn't all the time, nothing is that black and white, but most of the time we're feeling, you know, our appetites actually decreased, we're excited and connected about moving our bodies, about connecting with people, about having bold conversations or, or taking risks. Um, so it's a really nice time when we're feeling full, which is a privilege to be able to give back to others. So uh, that's one of the rituals we have for the ovulation phase. And then my favorite for the luteal phase is to have a good cry. I always, it's the one that I never forget, to be honest. Uh, you know, when we, when people ask us about some of the rituals, that's the one that always comes to my mind first. Because it's so real. like I I don't know how many women I have talked to that have a good cry during their period, whether it's the luteal phase or the menstrual or whatever it is. But again, physiologically, as Jenna mentioned, our hormones, especially in the luteal phase, are dipping. The serotonin and dopamine goes with it. And oftentimes, having a good cry is incredibly powerful medicine. So yeah, our rituals kind of, you know, that's how they work. We really wanted to stress the fact that none of this is prescription based. Everything is meant to be an inspiration, but these rituals are going to come in and through you differently than they will everyone else. And that's really the beauty of it.
2: I love that you mentioned have a good cry, Dev, because that <laughs> is my favorite one also from the luteal phase. I think the entire book, because I'm a huge crier, I'm a big feeler. And I've had people in my life who discouraged crying and discouraged mm-hmm. feeling those emotions and expressing them. And in my luteal phase, every every month, I always like just get really pent up with emotions and I kind of forget, like, why am I feeling so intensely? And then I remember, oh, this is where I'm at in my cycle. And then I just let myself let it all out. Sometimes it's really short. Sometimes it's really long. And it's so cathartic. And like you said, it's it's medicine. And I want more people, especially males, to embrace those emotions and know that it's
1: okay to cry. And Jenna, you're giving people permission. Like, I think that's the most powerful thing too, is to your point of when we can normalize expressing emotion in whichever way that is, it's the beginning of normalizing it. And so that's beautiful. I love that. And I didn't know that was your favorite, but yeah, i love that one as well.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that really is beautiful. That's something, you know, it's something that I particularly struggle with. And I was always someone who, you know, if I felt an emotion, I wanted to mask it with food or with, You know, making myself really busy, I think, is my number one numbing technique. And I think during the pandemic, that really forced me to slow down and sit with my emotions. And I unfortunately, because of being at home all the time, but learned how therapeutic it was to sometimes, you know, you're feeling something and to just feel it and cry and get it out. And a lot of times the feeling passed after even five minutes if I just let myself feel it. I think during my luteal phase not not too long ago, unfortunately, I didn't let myself feel it. And I ended up saying some not nice things to someone Mm -hmm. that I had to apologize for later. Mm -hmm. And I think if we just let ourselves be you know, alone with our emotions, that's something that so many of us need permission for myself included. And it's something that I'm constantly reminding myself, but I think so many people listening must struggle with, because I think that's something, especially the men in our lives, you know, why do you need to sit with these emotions, just go through it and move on? But that's not the case.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. I'm very much here right now. This is a lot of the research and, and the foundation for the my second book that I'm writing that's due out next year. But it is, it is so needed. God, it is so needed. The permission to be human is needed more than ever, I think. And yeah, we simply don't know how to, you know, like you said, we're never taught how to give that to ourselves, let alone others. And I do think it, it starts with accepting, embracing and, and learning how to process our emotions. I totally agree. And you're so not alone in when it comes to keeping ourselves busy. You know, we, we all have something we lean into to avoid feeling, but you're right. When we can, when we can allow ourselves to feel it, it does pass through. I mean, ultimately that's what emotions want to do. They're, they're energy in motion. They don't want to stay stuck.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to your point, Valerie, about like giving ourselves that time to be alone with our emotions, that's something that I've really been reckoning with for myself that I occupy every second of every day. And this is what our society is asking of us to constantly be checking our phone to you know listen to music listen to podcasts be in meetings it's just like one thing to the next and i have really been practicing cultivating stillness in my life even if it's for 5 minutes a day or doing a mundane task in silence so that i'm giving my brain a a break to just be. And it it's amazing what has come of those moments of stillness and the emotions that have come up and the realizations I've had and the epiphanies even. And it's just so empowering. And that's something that I would recommend to anyone listening that allowing yourself to slow down is such a powerful tool to let your emotions flow through you.
0: Amen. Amen. I think that's incredible. <laughs> that's something I'm constantly working on, but having that actual stillness, I feel like most of the time, and I think for so many of us, we're, we're glued to our phones or mm-hmm. laptops or whatever we have. And mm-hmm. I feel like I constantly have something going on in the background, music, Netflix, Hulu. TV talking to someone on the phone and actually having that time to sit and really be alone with our thoughts. The times that I have done that have been so therapeutic for me. Or if there is music, you know, something really calming and peaceful and not something where I'm really getting revved up, but just something mm-hmm. where truly I can sit and think and almost be in that meditative place. And I think the mundane task is such a good one too when I when I meal prep and I find just chopping and kind of doing something kind of the same thing that's very routine, it really does let my mind get into kind of a different place.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, we can find ways to incorporate it into our busy lives. And that's what I've realized because I've in the past tried to implement meditation practices and it's really challenging for me as it is for many people and so instead of fighting that i just started with okay while i'm driving to work i'm going to sit in silence which sometimes is so uncomfortable and i i love listening to podcasts so i feel like oh i could be listening to my favorite podcast but i need to give myself that silence so i think sometimes it can feel really overwhelming to people of how do i fit this in on top of everything else but it is just about carving out those moments while chopping vegetables, while feeding your baby. You know, there's so many little things that we do that can be quiet and peaceful.
1: Yeah, I agree. And to that point, Jenna, like I love what you said about integrating it and this idea of meeting yourself where you're at. So even in, there's a ritual in the book for a candlelight meditation. And the reason I found myself really liking that was because it's so hard to go from a busy mind, busy day, busy life, to sitting in silence with your eyes closed, like you just mm-hmm. said. it mm-hmm. that's It is really uncomfortable and it is really jarring. And then we feel, you know, it makes it harder to implement and we kind of feel like we're setting ourselves up for failure. So instead of forcing this mold on ourselves that we need to do it this way, what's just one step we could do that's a little easier? So like in this case, I, I'll just watch a candle. Like my eyes are still open. My mind's still a little busier, right? Because I'm not, my eyes aren't closed. I can see something in front of me, but it's still giving me, the space and the time to slowly open myself up to a new practice that will continue to implement stillness. So yeah, you're right. Like how do we, how do we meet ourselves and allow whatever it is that's going to help us even in that moment be enough?
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. I, I think that candle, it's just such a great way to kind of anchor yourself because I do think to your point too, that it can be, kind of intimidating to say, well, I'm going to sit alone in, in silence. And we don't really know what to do with ourselves. But if you do have something to focus on, I'll never forget when I was really little and my dad talked to us about meditation and I tried to sit and focus on my breath with nothing going on. That was, in you know, my eyes closed. That was very difficult. That did not last oh, me very long. And to this day what? when I do meditate, that is not how I meditate. Right.
2: Yeah. It's not the only way. And I think that is right. so empowering to know that you can make it your own.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I love these practices. I'm so excited to get my copy of the book and to try out some of these. And I'd love to know a little bit more. So I, I know through through Moon Cycle, you have a lot of bakery products, which I'm very excited to try. Um, you also mentioned savory. I'd love to know a little bit more about what's in the cookbook and what readers can expect to find.
2: The Moon Cycle Cookbook is a holistic nutrition guide for our cycle, and it is broken down into the four phases that we've talked about in this podcast. And we, as Devin mentioned, we start with a breakdown of what's happening physiologically and then how that impacts our overall life, our mood, our energy, our desires, you know, the way that we communicate. And then we talk about foods that can help nourish us in those phases. And so we have each phase, there are 20 recipes ranging from breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, and desserts to help support your body's needs during the different phases. And sprinkled throughout, we have the rituals that Devin has mentioned. So it's a really great way to learn about your menstrual cycle. We do dive into the science, not super extensively, but I think it's a major step up from sex ed that we received Mm -hmm. and then learn about how to schedule your life with your cycle and how to eat in a way that, again, isn't prescriptive. You can eat any of these foods any time of the month. But as I mentioned before, we focus more heavily on complex carbs in the luteal phase or fermented foods in the follicular phase. So it is... Yeah, a really great way to learn about yourself and begin to live in tune with your cycle.
0: I love that. I think that this book is just what so many of us needed. I never learned about the four phases when I was in school. You know, we talk about your period and we talk about ovulation maybe, But you don't really get into all of that. I think knowing what's going on with your body is a huge part of empowering yourself and feeling better during those different times. And I think understanding how you can schedule your life throughout your cycle is so important, you know, as we talked about with the food and with the exercise as well, and that just those different ritual types. So I think that is so cool. I'm so excited to check out your book. And remind me, when does the book come out? Right now, it's due out October 12th. With COVID, there's, there's been across the
1: publishing world, some shipping delays. So mm-hmm. we're, we're hoping it, it stays at that date. But yeah, it'll be out in the fall.
0: Wonderful. And for listeners tuning in, and if you are interested in this book, I know that pre-ordering makes such a difference for authors out there and for the publishing companies as well to see the demand for the books. So I'd love to know, where can listeners order your book or pre-order your book at this point? Thank you so much for saying that because it's so true. I mean, you you've you hear it, but you never
1: realize until you're in it what a difference it makes. So thank you so much for mm-hmm. yeah, that transparency that pre-orders are so important to authors. You can find the book in a lot of different ways. The easiest way would be to go to our website, uh, mooncyclebakery.com. And there is under shop, if you go to scroll all the way to the right, it, there's a little about section and it. it says the Moon Cycle Cookbook. You can click that link And that takes you to actually everything we've talked about here today, everything Jenna just explained about what the book is and what it includes. It has endorsements from really amazing people all the way from Elisa Vitti to Dr. Jolene Brighton to Jessica Renan, Nicole Jardim, just really amazing, incredible, empowering women in this space as well. There is a, a sample recipe of sausage with apples and bok choy, which is one of my favorites. When We did the photo shoot for this book. We got to test all of these and it was the best week of my life. Um, (laughs) And then you can pre-order there. So there's a whole list of places you can order from with options in the US, the UK, and Australia. You can order from independent bookstores, which we personally really love to support. You can order from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, a load of different places. And then if you're interested, you can also order from us through our store for a signed copy. So there's a link for that on this same page as well. And lastly, what you get when you pre-order is uh, some bonuses. So that's really exciting. We are offering a 25% off code for our new course that Jenna mentioned in the beginning called um, Reconnecting to Rhythms. It's a supplemental course to the cookbook. So on top of learning about your cycle and how to support yourself physically, this really dives in to the science behind how nourishing ourselves emotionally and spiritually also supports the body. So you get 25% off that course, which is our first course. And we're so excited about that. And you also get a bonus PDF with four extra recipes, one for each phase and four journal prompts for four rituals in the book. So basically you look at four rituals, again, one from each phase, And you have some journal prompts and ways to go deeper into them. So if you do pre-order, make sure to hold on to your order number, wherever you order from. And you can claim your bonuses to this page on the website as well.
0: That's amazing. I, I absolutely love those bonus items too. I think listeners will really enjoy the book. I am so excited to try out some of the recipes and get to try out those rituals too, because I think that that's something that so many of us need to just be incorporating a little bit more ritual in general into our lives. So I will definitely link all of that in the show notes that listeners can find the book and place their pre-orders. Before I let you both go, I would love to dive into our rapid-fire questions so the listeners can get to know the two of you a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. What is your top wellness tip? Mine is sleep and laughter.
2: Oh, I love that. Mine is also quality sleep. That is a game changer.
0: (laughs) Totally. (laughs) That is the one I'm struggling with but working on probably Mm. the most right now. (laughs) Good for you. It's a hard one. It really is. But no excuse. Certainly something. um, Finally got my alarm clock instead of the phone, so I'm working toward it. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. That's yeah, a good step go. in the right direction. That's huge. Thank you. Now, where is your favorite travel destination?
1: I personally love to travel to Northern California. Uh, we lived, My husband and I lived there for six years, and I still – I miss it. I love it. And we have lots of family friends there. So, um, yeah, that's where I'd like to travel to most right now.
2: Mm-hmm. I really love to travel to new places. Yeah, I don't tend to go back unless I have friends or family in a place, but I like to try new places. However, I have been to Italy a few years ago, and I would absolutely love to go back there. For being such a small country, there is so much that I wasn't able to see, mm-hmm. and so that's on my list for sure.
0: Love that. I would love to go back to both of those places for sure. Now, if you were an animal, what animal would you be and why? I love this question. It's such a challenging
1: one. Um, It really is. It is, which I love. I think I'd have to say a dog. Honestly, I loved having a dog so much. We just lost our dog this past February, but it, she really, it was just the simplicity and and the joy that not only she brought, but that she, like she was, she, she harnessed, just felt so grounding. And it, it felt like, dogs hold this secret that we struggle with as adults which is just that like love and the outdoors and this appetite for life and being with family is enough and it it's just so nourishing so I think I would like to be a dog
2: I love that so much dogs are seriously the best I would choose a humpback whale whales are my favorite animal they are fascinate me and humpback whales in particular I love watching nature shows in general and anyone that has to do with like the ocean or whales I'm so into and watching humpbacks breach and swim in the open ocean and be with their tight-knit pods they seem so fun and playful and free
0: and I would love to spend my life in the ocean oh that's so fitting
1: for you (laughs) love that
0: yeah, I I love both of those answers. I think both are incredible animals. It's so cool to see the humpback whales, and you know I'm so sorry about the loss of your dog. But dogs truly, I get tears in my eyes thinking about my parents' dogs. That just how what amazing animals they are, and they they really do know the secrets to life. So I love both of your answers. The animals are just the best. They, they are. are. <laughs> <laughs> Now, if you could each master a completely new skill, what would that be? I would love to be fluent in
1: Italian and French. I'd love to speak fluent Italian to speak to my remaining family that is from Italy and speaks fluent in Italian, including my dad. And I love the French language. I love France so much when we visited. And it felt like I had lived there in some past life. So I would love to learn French too.
2: Hmm. Mine is pottery. I Have dabbled in clay making when I was younger in art class and I always thought it was so fun and I love watching ceramicists just play on the wheel. And Devin has recently got into pottery and she is absolutely incredible. I'm constantly asking her (laughs) if I can buy her pieces (laughs) and I really want to learn. I just want to try and see if I am good at it, if I like it, and I would absolutely love to master it.
0: You're so cute. It's so therapeutic (laughs) doing something with your hands, I feel like, too. Mm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It really is. My mom and I started it like February, you know, when we were just like, we need an outlet for the pandemic and everything else. So totally, I agree. It's it's really, you, you get into that flow state.
0: That's so cool. Now what's next for each of you on your bucket list? Oh gosh, I have so many things. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think in a really, really simple bucket list action, I would just like to continue to soak up the rest of summer and fall I've just felt really grateful to be in the space that we're in my husband built me this amazing writer's studio out in the backyard and I just feel so lucky and I I I mean I'm sitting here right now and I just love to look out you know at the land that we live on and yeah so that's my probably immediate but a little longer term I would love to have chickens and have eggs every morning
2: (laughs) that's the dream Right. Yes. My bucket list item is to travel to Iceland. Uh, my boyfriend and I actually had a trip planned, or have a trip planned in December, but with the way the pandemic is trending, I'm not holding on to it too tightly. However, whenever it happens, it's going to be so incredible. We're so excited to see the Northern Lights and to mm. drive around an entire country. We want to do it two-week itinerary and see all of the amazing natural landscapes and try all the great food. And it seems like such a unique place, and I can't wait to visit one day.
1: Oh, my God. That's going to be amazing.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. It seems so magical. I really, I just want to be there now, but I have to be patient.
0: It really is. The pictures just look absolutely beautiful. It's on my list as well. I have not been myself, but definitely on the bucket list for post-pandemic or whenever we're traveling again. Yeah, right. Well, I have one extra bonus question for you both. And I was going to ask, what is your favorite recipe in the book? Ooh.
1: Ooh.
0: So my
2: favorite is the red wine braised beef short ribs with lentils. And it's, I mean, I love it for so many reasons. A, it's so decadent and savory and it just feels very nourishing. It's that kind of stick to your ribs type of meal. It's in the menstrual phase. And I love that type of food. I love comfort food. And I personally have struggled with iron deficiency over the years. And that meal is very rich in iron due to the beef and the lentils. And so I know that I am doing my body a favor by eating that and it just is so soul nourishing. So that one is my favorite but it is hard to choose because there are so many good ones.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That sounds delicious. Shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
1: I would say I have to, sorry, I have to, I really, this is hard. (laughs) One of my favorites is the sweet potato kale and beet lentil hash. I love hash for the same reason you were talking about, you know, like your love for comfort food, Jenna. Yeah. I just really love, especially breakfast. I feel like when I have a comforting grounding breakfast like that, it sets me up for the entire day and I can feel my hormones are very happy with a filling breakfast. So, and I, yeah, I love sweet potatoes. I love beets, all of that. I just, that's one of my favorites. But I also really love the rosemary sausage quiche with apple crust because it's apple crust. Like I remember when you when you first told me about this, and then when we when you made it at the at our photo shoot, and it was so cool to see these pieces of apple become a crust for quiche. Like I'd never heard of it before, I'd never thought of it. It turned out amazing, and it tastes delicious, and it's added nutrients. You know, I'm gluten free, so I so appreciate ways that I can still enjoy, again, really comforting, grounding meals, but in a way that nourishes my body. So I really love that one.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Thanks for saying that, Dev. I love that one so much. And I, I think that one is one of my most creative. I was so unsure if the apple crust was going to work. And I was like, I'm going to go for it because those flavors sound amazing. And I am so happy that it worked out. And I'm so happy
0: that you love it. Those all sound delicious. Jenna, these recipes are incredible.
1: I can't wait for people to try them because she she just did such a good job. She poured every ounce of herself into these recipes, and it really shows.
0: That's amazing. And you mentioned being gluten-free. I am as well. And I'd love to know, for listeners with food sensitivities or maybe a gluten sensitivity or celiac, are the recipes in the book gluten-free, or are they geared towards certain dietary restrictions or anything like that?
2: The majority are – naturally gluten-free. There are a couple that um, they call for bread, like we have a toast recipe, but that could easily be subbed with gluten-free toast. And overall, Devin and I are very intentional about avoiding dogmatic thinking. So we didn't want to create the book with any one diet in mind, but instead we created it so that it's very adaptable. So there are plenty of recipes that are vegan, vegetarian, some have meat, some have... Uh, like I mentioned, they have, they call for gluten or bread. But yeah, it's very varied and allows for a lot of substitution.
0: That's fantastic. And I am so excited to try some of these recipes and get into the kitchen and get a little creative as well. Um, I think this book is so needed. And you you have a product that so many listeners, when I shared that this episode was going to come out, were so excited about what you all have to offer. And so I really do think that there is such a need out there. And I can't wait for listeners to get to check out the book, hear this conversation. Now, how can listeners find each of you and connect?
1: For Moon Cycle Bakery, we are on Instagram at Moon Cycle Bakery. We're on TikTok too. <laughs> that's a big learning curve for me. <laughs> that might be the skill that I, should, you know, if I could be really great at the skill, <laughs> that might be one of them. But basically, that's where we're hanging out for the most part, uh, as far as the business goes. For my personal writing, because uh, I'm continuing to move into my writing and um, hopefully continuing to write books. You can find me at Devon Loftus Writes on Instagram and com.
2: And you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Jenna B Basics, and then you can head to my blog to get some seasonal recipes, sustainability tips, and holistic self-care practices at jennabasics.com.
0: Wonderful. I'll link all of that in the show notes that listeners can find you both and connect and get to enjoy your work. Thank you so much for coming on and for sharing your stories with us today and for sharing your wisdom. I think this is so needed and going to benefit so many of our listeners. Thank you so much, Valerie. This has been so much fun.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much, Valerie. It's, It's just been so, it's like talking to a friend.
0: What a powerful conversation. Devin and Jenna were truly fantastic and I absolutely love the rituals that they shared. As women, we have a lot of shame when it comes to our bodies and I think a lot of that is based in the societal pressures and it's taught to us. But knowledge is power and so knowing more about our body's rhythms is such a great way to understand ourselves better and to take better care of ourselves. I am so excited for their cookbook to come out and have officially pre-ordered my copy. The book is expected to hit shelves in October, so be sure to place your pre-orders as well so that you can get some of those added goodies that Devin and Jenna shared with us today. I have linked both of their information in the show notes, along with where you can pre-order the book, and I highly recommend ordering some of the sweet treats from the Moon Cycle website. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please feel free to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're tuning in from. If you have any topics or guests that you would like to see or questions you'd like me to answer on the show, feel free to email me at Valerie at or or shoot me a DM on Instagram at wellnessandwanderlustblog. Hit that subscribe button to keep up with new episodes and share this episode with a friend. Have a wonderful day, and I can't wait to see you next week.